Me and Luke were going to have security called on us at Bucky's because she was starting to scream at us because I was like, like, let's imagine like this is Jaden and uh, I'm in Bucky's and I was just like, oh, look at this, these shirts over here. And so I would just follow her all over Bucky's and she was getting really upset with me. But anyways, yes, I brought back 19. Yes, yes. It was, a, it was a fun trip, guys. It was fun. It was quick. It was a lot all at once. Um, it was like taking a spiritual water hose and then just shoving it in your mouth for about 22 hours. It was like just wide open, in your face, no breaks, and it was great. So do y'all remember the story uh, that we did from camp last time? We talked about how our bus was... Uh, was trying to keep us from camp. So our bus has been in the shop for about six weeks, getting worked on, getting worked on, getting parts ordered, getting parts ordered. Um, Black Betty, she's a, she, is, she is like a typical woman. You just pour money into her and she always wants more. She, uh, I, I call on Monday, the, the guy, he's like, yeah, I was like, hey, man, I'm going to pick it up, I'm going to pick it up Friday, all right, cool, man, I'm going to have it ready, everything's good, Tuesday, following up, because I just feel in my spirit, like, Black Betty's going to get us again, oh, yeah, we'll be good, I kid you not, he calls me Friday morning at 10 o'clock, and says, man, I was working on the wiring, and I blew the, mo- the it blew the modular, and the computer's out, it will not run. And I'm like, okay, so like, I pick up a one. He's like, no, man, I've called everywhere in like a three-hour radius. I can't get it running until Tuesday. This is, mind you, about three and a half hours before we're supposed to leave for camp, conference. The enemy was doing everything he can to keep us because it was, I mean, I, I, I didn't know what to do. Like, it was really the verge of we might just have to cancel. I just think it's so funny how the enemy is doing everything he can to keep our kids from going to CF and I. And it's, it's pretty cool because what happened the last time, you know, all of the trials and the, that we went to to get there, it just fired them up even more when we got there. And they were like, we're going to worship. It was, like, it was like soldiers walking into battle. And that was the theme of last camp, was a, was a battle. It was the battlefield, not the camp theme, but our, our, our theme was it was a battle. Um, and this one, this time, uh, thankfully, I want to give a shout out to Life Church and Rustin, Pastor Dallas and Paige. Um, and uh, their youth pastor, Pastor Tim Higdon, uh, he married Shasta, if y'all know who she is. And she's at, Tim is actually best friends with... Uh, uh, Bradley from Mill Creek. They're, they're best friends. Um, but anyways, I met Tim at camp, and we know him real well, and he, he really, I mean, they, when I say they helped us out, they, they gave us a solid. They said, you can come right now and get a 15-passenger bus. They gave us their new bus that was, you know, in good shape. We didn't have to worry about it breaking down. Um, and we made it work. Amen. Yeah, amen. And that's the right, that's the truth. Um, So when we went the first time, we came back, uh, 
and we had the Sunday. And if y'all remember that Sunday, we were here till about seven o'clock at night because I let everybody give their testimonies. Um, and it was it was really powerful, and it was it was a move, and and they gave their testimonies to tell y'all what happened to them, so it would spark faith inside of the hearts of everybody here when they give a testimony. That's what testimonies are for. It's not for us. It's not for us to brag about the things that we've done. It's to it's to spark faith in someone else so that they can do the same things in their life. Think about the New Testament church. They tell, we've, we've been telling the same miracles that Jesus and the disciples have done for the past 2,000 years. We're telling the same stories, guys. They ain't changed. Jesus still died on a cross. He still rose from the dead. It's the same miracle over and over and over, and we tell the stories to spark the faith, to get people fired up to go out and to change the world. So we're going to do the same thing today when we have big encounters. Um, we're not gonna, I'm not, I'm not, it's not going to be the same structure by any stretch with uh, last Sunday. I mean, last time we did this, um, I, definitely, I wanted to switch everything up, um, and I wanted to give you all a glimpse, not on the testimony side, but of the content side. And if you, if you, if you merge a testimony and you, then you merge a little bit of truth and give you all the tools, y'all can, y'all can take a glimpse into what is being poured into this church. And I say this church for a specific reason. Since this summer, when we got back from camp, I don't know if y'all have felt it, but I definitely have felt a switch. I have felt a shift at CCAM, and we're beginning to press in as a, as, as a congregation. Things are changing in people's hearts, things are changing in the spiritual, things are changing even in the natural. We've had some, I mean, I, I was talking to the youth about it um, on the, uh, w- w- this week, this weekend. I was saying, like, y'all notice? They're like, yeah. Though, man, it seems like every, like, four or five Sundays, it's a full worship set. Worship set. That's great. And they're like, we're, we're, and we're pushing for it. We want, like, that, like they're, they're pushing in. This generation that we have, Gen Z and, and Gen Alpha, um, they have been prophesied over on a national and a global scale from thousands of prophets, and the prophecy is the same thing. It's crazy. The prophecy is that this generation is going to usher in a new revival a new revolution, a new movement in the body of Christ. Not just a revival, oh, we're going to have a, you know, a fifth Sunday revival. No, it's not like that. They're going to change the way that we imagine Christianity. The prophecies are deep. The prophecies are real. The prophecies are real change, real... Have, have y'all seen the revolution, the uh, Jesus Revolution movie, right? The hippies came and they changed everything. The way that services are done today are mocked after that generation. That was 60 years ago. Isn't that crazy? Unfortunately, the millennials didn't get that kind of prophecy. We didn't get that prophecy. But if you remember in the movie, uh, Jesus Revolution, there was a guy that was a... If if you hadn't seen the movie, I'm sorry. I'm going to ruin some of it for you. But there's a guy... It is a real life. Yeah, it's not a movie. It's, oh, you're right. It is a real life story. 
Yeah, it's not a movie. It's a real story. I knew that, too. But anyways, so the main, the, the main pastor is in California, and he's got a church, and it's an older church, um, and it's, you know, a very traditional, you know, pews, uh, the traditional service of that time, a lot of older, a lot of older generation, um, and his daughter is, has a conversation with him talking about, man, these hippies are crazy and blah, blah, blah. They're doing some crazy stuff. I've heard they're, some, of them, some of them even love Jesus. And the guy makes a comment in the beginning. If I, you, you show me a hippie that really knows Jesus and I'll listen to him or something like that. In comes this guy who actually, the, 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 the actor plays Jesus in The Chosen. And when you see him, you're like, oh God, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. <laughs> And he comes in, and sure enough, this guy's on fire for God. And the beginning of the movie is this pastor's battle, his internal battle to change the way he thought about Christianity, think, change the way his church was run to, in, to change. And, and he has a decision to make, and he can sit back and he can spectate, and he can watch the change, he can watch the revolution, or he can participate in it. And without that man's participation, that movement would not have happened. A generation can be called to lead it, but without the resources of the generation before them, they can't achieve it. So even though I can get my feelings hurt saying the millennials ain't going to do it, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to sit back and watch them do it. I'm going to help them do everything I can. And I said that, and I've been doing that over the past six months, and I've seen this church go through some spiritual growth. And unfortunately, I'm here to tell you that it's not over. <laughs> like, we're just at the front of it, guys. We are, I'm telling you, I've sensed it in my spirit, we are on this precipice of this cliff, looking down, and it's like, these youth are pushing us, and they're about to say, if y'all don't want to go, we're just going to jump by ourselves. And the bad thing is that the enemy knows it. And I say the bad thing because he sends, you know, things like Black Betty to stop it. <laughs> right? I know a lot of, even the youth, have had some serious attacks on the spiritual side, on the physical side. I know a lot of the families in this church since, since the summer have been attacked. Now, we've seen some miracles take place because the Spirit of God is still here, but it doesn't come without a cost. And what I love about sending these kids to these camps is that, you know, camp is just this, a powerful overflow of the Holy Spirit. That's all it is. They, I mean, they're experts in their field. They are, they are professionals at their, ta at their, in, their, in their field. And their field is ushering people into the presence of God. Think about that. The skill level of, I've played a, Jeremy Upthaw is a, is a golf instructor. He teaches people how to play golf. He has played countless hours of golf, countless, but he's not a professional. And the skill level between Jeremy and Sam Burns is an extremely large gap because when you're a professional in your field, you are significantly better than other people. 
These people are experts at getting people into the presence of God. And when they get them for five days at a time, they indoctrinate them with the word of God and they show them how to do it. And I don't think it's fair to y'all to not get some of it and just get the testimony. So I'm, I'm going to do my best to give y'all some recaps of this weekend. Very, I'm not going to do, I'm, I'm not a professional public speaker like some of these guys are because they hire some of the best speakers in the world to come talk to these people. And I'm not going to do anything anywhere close, but they made a comment, uh, and, it's, and it's basically a youth comment, right? Uh, it was in our breakout session. They were talking to the, uh, the youth pastors and the leaders, and they were like, you know, if you feel like you're pressing into God, asking him what to speak, what to give a message to the youth, and you keep getting the same thing, and you feel like it's the same message a thousand times, don't get discouraged because it's still what God has. Because in youth, there's a statement that says, if you say something a thousand times, they might hear it once. They didn't even hear me because I, I, they didn't even say amen. A silent church is a... There we go. All right. Whew. They didn't hear what I said. I had to say it again. But y'all aren't youth. So I can kind of give y'all some quick bullet, bullet notes. So if y'all are taking notes, I've got some pretty good stuff. Um, I'm going to do my best to do... To not talk down or to talk at in a, in a weird way. Because when, these, when, when people go to a youth camp and they're speaking to youth specifically and they know their target audience is youth, the way that, you t- that they talk to them is different than the way that they would have come and talked to you. It just is. They are unapologetic and they tell them exactly what you're supposed to do. Do this. And if you don't, then you're probably going to hell. Like, it's not to that extreme. But it really is when you really equate to it. Like, they're not going to say those things to this congregation because the target audience is different. And it's because, it's truly because they know that they're probably going to hear it better than most of y'all. They're not going to get their feelings hurt quite as easy. So if I step on toes, I'm not sorry. The first night we get, the first night we get there Friday night, they had a lady by the name of Alex Seeley. Um, and she, she's a pastor, I think, in Nashville. And she, is, I mean, she, she, these, these people are big deals. Y'all can look at these people. These, these people are big churches. Majority of them come from, um, almost all of them are CFNI graduates that go off and do just amazing things. Um, and she begins to talk about the power of life and death. And if y'all know anything about me, y'all know I'm a big power of life and death person. I'm all about your mind. I'm all about transforming the renewing of your mind. I'm all about watching what you say. Like, that's my jam. And so she started. I'm like, ooh, this is going to be good. She talks about labels. And then we had three main sessions. The, third, the second person comes in. He talks about breaking your alabaster box. And the third person comes in, and he literally explains praise and worship in a way that anybody of any level can understand, but also goes into a depth that's 
a depth that a child can reach and go into the deep. And I know that doesn't explain it as well as, as, as it is, but when you take something that's so complex and you make it so simple, it's just a beautiful thing to see. And so those were the three main topics that we did. They had labels, they had breaking your alabaster box, and they had the really defining praise and worship. So the first one was labels, and she talked a lot about how labels define us, but labels can also destroy us. She gives, an she gives an amazing example of her life. You know, when people begin to talk about labels and how they've overcome these great and powerful things in their life, you really expect them to go into this very awful story of how they were a child and they were, you know, looked down on, they were abused verbally, physically. And that's what you expect when, you, when, when they go into this. And I was just expecting that. But it wasn't like that at all. This lady came from a Christian family that well, her parents were pastors came from a wealthy side of town, was loved. And she says at a very young age, um, her parents made a joke that she was the last child and she wasn't planned and that they called her the mistake. Accident. They called her the accident, but she interpreted as she was a mistake and unwanted. She was unwanted and that's the label that she defined herself as. And she began to deal with, I mean, this lady, she was, she was a gorgeous woman, and she dealt with some serious just image issues, and it all sparked from a label that was an unintentional label that the enemy put on her at a young age, and it was said over and over and over again. And it completely changed who she was until God was able to redefine who she was. Luckily, she was able to redefine herself at a, early, at a young age. Um, you know, I was, I was listening to it, and I was thinking about my life, and I've been so blessed in my life, so blessed, countless, countless. I can't thank God enough for the journey that I've, had, that I've, had, that I've been able to go on because I've had grandparents that spoke blessings over me. I've had parents that have loved me. And I never had to go through some of the things that probably 99% of the population has to go through. Because even though you come from a certain family, it does not mean that your label can be defined in a way that you think it is supposed to be. Because the battles that we face internally, the, the things that, we, that, that the enemy says about us, are, they're lasting and, whew, <laughs> okay, Holy Spirit, I, I, didn't expect, I didn't expect to go into these labels very much, guys, but the Holy Spirit has kind of shown me that this is what, <laughs> what y'all are. All right, I was expecting today to go into the alabaster box a lot more, but I think the Holy Spirit's wanting us to talk about some, some labels. Okay, all right. Whew. Jesus. During worship that night, I was, uh, I was, I was getting ready and what's so cool about our youth group, what's so cool about the y'all's kids that y'all allow me to be a part of, which is another huge thing I'm thankful for. <clears throat> I prepared them. I was like, all right, guys, this week, if y'all remember the testimonies from last time, 
give y'all a recap. God showed up in a mighty way last summer. I know not all of y'all were here that for that four and a half hour message, um, but the actual presence of God rested on a place in that room on the last day, and we had people experience God like I've never experienced God. I have experienced God in a lot of ways, nothing like that. And it took them all to the last day to do it, right? I mean, there was good stuff throughout the week, but it took the last day. And so I told them, I was like, listen here, you little jokers. <laughs> we got Friday night and Saturday. So I swear I will skin y'all's heads if y'all wait until the last stinking session to press into the presence of God. And thankfully they listened because this lady gave this message on labels. Um, and, I mean, it was, it was a good message. Don't be wrong. I mean, I, I was one of my favorites. And she said uh, she was not trying to coax people into doing something. See, another thing they talked about in, in one of my breakout sessions about this generation is that, is that they, they have a really good radar when it comes to people being fake. They don't understand social cues because of the technology these days, and so when they see people doing something that they know is a little un, out of the ordinary, they know it's fake, and they see fake, and they hate it. Would y'all agree? And so what that translates into the spiritual is they will not fake worship. This group will not fake it. They will not raise their hands just because someone tells them to raise their hands. They're not just going to say the words just because someone tells them to say the words because it makes them feel fake. So they do it in their own way, which is why this generation is going to change it. And so this lady knows not to do the things that I had when I was, in the, when I was, when I was there. Everybody close your eyes. Everybody bow your head. Everybody raise your hand. Okay, if you raise your hand, please stand up. If you stood up, now come down to the altar. That was the, that was the platform. This lady didn't do this. She goes, all right, everybody, all right, talking about it. She goes, and she starts giving the altar call. And it's about if you've been had labels on your life that you don't like and you're ready to transform those labels, stand up. If I wouldn't, if I don't, if I wouldn't tell you almost every single one of our kids jumped up and ran down there. And it's not that we got kids that have labels that are like awful things. These guys just want what God's got for them. They ran down full head of steam. And, and it was, it was, it's so much fun to watch. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, God, you got to give me something for them. And I begin to get a vision of these labels. I begin to get this, this, this vision of this chalkboard. And I gave, I gave this, I, 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 it, was, it was as I was praying for one of them. And I'm not going to tell the story because it's not, it's not for y'all, it's for them. And I was, I, was, I was talking about a chalkboard, writing on a chalkboard. And you can write a label. Call it unworthy, call it ugly, call it stupid, call it anything that's not good. Doesn't matter. You write that label in chalk. You can instantly wipe it away. You write that thing over and over and over and over and over and over Eventually, erosion happens, and it begins to carve into this, and you can't just wipe it clean. It's kind of like that stinking dry erase board that Jessica gave me last time, <laughs> right? It wouldn't erase, right? That's a label, right? <laughs> the, the longer you allow labels to define who you are, and this is for CCA, and the longer you allow yourself to say that I am this, I, you know, whatever that label is, the more difficult it is going to be for you to help erase that. 
Because the reason that talks about the trans, the, the reason she used Romans 12, 1 is because it's a renewal of your nine daily. Because every single day, the enemy is putting labels on each and every one of us. Every single day, a label is being said about who you're supposed to be and whoever the, whatever the world is saying that that label is, it is keeping you away from what God's called you to do. And I began to get this, this vision for one of our youth of, of a stone. And God, and God literally took his chisel and he carved his new definition in this, in, 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 in this stone and began to redefine who they were. See, the potter can do that. See, the word talks about Jesus being the potter. Man, I did not prepare for this. Jesus is the potter. And so when, when you're making a, a, a clay pot, I was watching, a, uh, I was listening to a... a, a a guy got caught, Todd Galbraith, he's a, uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a praise and worship leader, and they, they have a song called The Potter, and he was doing a music video uh, for this really, really popular song called The Potter, and he went to a pottery class, and they were video, videoing him for this thing, and he says as they were giving him the lesson, they were actually teaching him how to make a pot, and so his first one, he gets it, and, he, and, it's, and it's awful. It's awful, he, he, and, the, and the guy's like, you gotta put more force on you have to apply more pressure or the pot's not going to be consistent. It's going to break. It's not going to be right. He says, you, he says, how much pressure do you need to apply? He says, you need to apply enough pressure that, it's, that you feel like it's almost about to break. And he did it and it messed up. And he's like, oh man, I can't do it. And so, and so one of the things that, I, that, that I'm thinking about with the potter is that God's going to change who you are. He can redefine you. He can make your clay pot in who you are but it was going to require a little bit of pressure. It requires almost enough pressure where you're almost going to break. How many people in here have almost broken in their life, but then they turn to God, right? How many, how many testimonies we hear people talk about, like, man, like I was, I was at my, my wit's end, and then God showed up. Well, God was there the whole time. He was allowing you to be molded into who you're supposed to be called to be. This is awful good. Todd Galbraith goes on. He said, he said he messed up. He goes, oh, man. And then the, the clay hardened, and it was just broken. It was awful. He goes, oh, man. He goes, all right, well, look, I guess let me get a new one. And he went to throw that, that, that broken clay that, it, that, didn't, that wouldn't hold anything. He went to throw that away. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't need to throw away the pot because a good potter a good potter can take any piece of clay that's been broken. It can be melted. It can be crushed into dust. And a good potter can take anything and make it mold into a, what it's supposed to be. No matter how dirty it is, no matter how, how broken it is, a good potter can change it and to be what it was called to be, which is to hold whatever it is, right? That's what the potter can do for us in the, in the definitions. When we get redefined... Sometimes we feel like we're broken. We feel like we're dirty. We feel like we need to just start over and then nobody can pick me up. But I'm telling you, as if, if you allow God to, be, to mold you into what you're supposed to be, the potter can do amazing things. That's not in my notes. <laughs> that was for y'all. So night two. Our kids are redefined. They know who they are. It's a daily renewal, like I said, every single day. It's early in the morning. <laughs> we didn't get back to the hotel because we had, we, had, we had to have our tacos, right? So we leave the set late after driving. 
We'd go get some tacos. Ooh, tacos were good. Then had to check into the hotel, and then everybody's all, you know, jacked up. I didn't go to bed till real late. I had to wake up real early because this is the early morning session. That guy gets there. His name was John Lamato. And he begins the session with some high energy. He was, he was ready. And he starts off the session uh, talking, about being, talking about the river of God. And let me tell y'all, y'all don't know, I'm all about the rivers. I believe in the rivers of God. I believe that the altar can be a river if you allow it to be. And if you jump on up in that river, I've been th- I, I, have, I love the river. He said that. I was like, ooh, praise the Lord. That's going to be good. And he said there's two types of people at a river. There are only two types of people. There are people that are entertained by the river, and they stand on the shore, and they watch. And there are people that jump into the river. And I'm here to tell you, we're going to be jumping into some rivers, all right? He talks, he gives the story of the alabaster box. And if y'all want to write it down, it's Mark 14, 3 through 9. I'm not going to read the whole story, so you don't have to put it up there. Um, if you, but, but the story of the alabaster box and how, and how there's, this, there's this chaos going on in this kitchen. And Mary Magdalene begins to clean the feet of Jesus. And she takes her alabaster box and she breaks her box and she pours all of her poor perfume onto Jesus. And, and it's chaotic, but in that chaos, she stopped and she focused on who she knew was in the room. She knew her father was in the room. She knew the son of man was there. And she took everything she had. She took the most expensive things she could think about and she broke that box and she popped out that perfume and she poured it all over him. And Judas, being Judas, you know, said like, you know, what, what are you doing? Like, that's a year's worth of wages. She's doing the math. He's calculating. He's like, man, that's, man, if you count that box, you count that perfume. That's a year's worth of wages. A year's worth of wages, guys. Think about that. Average income of a household in Louisiana is probably going to be around $42,000 average in Louisiana. Imagine somebody taking forty two grand and ruining it. Ruining it on Jesus. And I'm not talking about like giving, you know, money for him, like not giving, not like Lot did. Uh, no, no, not like Jesse. We got Jesse. I'm not, I'm not, all right, I'm not going to details of that. All right. But it's not like it was like just give the ministry. This was, this was her just giving it all to Jesus in a way that was her worship. And he said, there's three things to do. He said, we can take this encounter. We can take this story of the alabaster box and we can define it for worship. We can define it with our every single day life. Because you take your day, it's a daily sacrifice, right? It's a daily sacrifice. Presenting your life as a, as, as, as a sacrifice to God. Everything you do, make it a sacrifice to God. He said, there's three things you can do. More specifically in worship, this is a lot, very, very tied to a worship session. He said, the first is don't get distracted. He says, when, when, he says it, it's, it, Mary was there, and she, she, he uses the example of like just all the chaos that's going around. She was never distracted. What she was able to do, she was able to empty the room during her worship. There was nobody in that room except her and her father. 
if y'all notice the way every real worship session is that really moves in the spirit, what do they do? They turn the lights down low. They turn the music up loud. Why? Because they're trying their best to distract you because that's an easy concept to understand. Do not worry about the things around you. So the second one is don't read the room. Don't read the room. You know, it's easy to praise and worship after a miracle happens. That's what he said, right? He said, he, said, if, he said, if I had someone come down right now in the middle of this set, and he was in a wheelchair, and I raised him from the, from the wheelchair, he'd never walked a day in his life, and he started running around, everybody would praise, everybody would worship. He said, and then the powerful movement would happen. True worshipers don't need a powerful movement to happen. Because they don't read the room. They don't care what other people are doing. They don't look at to the left. They don't look at to the right. <clears throat> I love how he said, he said his dad was a pastor, and he said someone came to the church, and uh, they were, they were going to leave. And he says, uh, the, he came up to him, and he goes, listen, uh, I just wanted you to know I don't really, you know, I don't really like the way the church is worshiping. You know, I, I think that it's a little too, you know, X, whatever. I just don't like it. And the guy, the pastor, as, as plain as day, he said, he said, that's okay, it's not for you. The worship isn't for you. And I love that. And the, thing, and the third thing, he says, is don't hold back. He says, don't hold back. He said, you give it all. If you're, if you're, if you're not wasting your oil, then you're wasting your life. Bro, we have talents. Each and every one of us have giftings. Each and every one of us have, have our time. Each and every one of us have something to give to God and to waste it on Him. How many people sometimes feel like you don't have enough time for anything? And you feel like if you do it, you might be wasting your time a little bit. I mean, I really got to do this over here. Well, I'm telling you, if you're not wasting your oil on Him, then you're wasting your life. Woo! And so He gives that message. And it was powerful. We had some breakout sessions that were pretty awesome. They, they had their own little sessions they broke out into. They tried to give a break um, that was still a lot of word, but more on a little scaled backside. Because at this point in the, in, in the conference, you know, we got there at 7 on Friday night. I'm only up till about 10 on Saturday morning. We've done had... Because they have a bunch of worship. I mean, I'm talking, they, they go all in. And if you've ever had an intense worship session, I'm telling you, it just drains you spiritually, and the physical then adjusts to the spiritual, and you're just like, oh, dude. And then we start the final session, and the, spe- the, pe- the, uh, the speaker was Curvine Brewington. Uh, he's actually from Lafayette. He's from Lafayette, Serena? No, he's not. Anyways. He, uh, his story is amazing. Um, at a young age, he went into some, some serious backsliding stuff and ended up going into Teen Challenge, turned his life around, went to Christ of the Nations, and now pastors their huge church. Um, <clears throat> he talks about praise and worship. I remember having a conversation with Stephen when I got back from camp last time, talking about like this encounter that I'd had at the altar at Christ for the Nations. How I many, like, I, I, I truly encountered something that I never encountered. And I, I kept trying to understand how it happened. Like, I'm really, I'm, I'm the kind of guy I really want to understand things. Um, and I just was thinking about everything. And you had a couple thousand people for four and a half days 
at camp literally praising the name of God for four days straight. And he inhabits the praises of his name. And then we worship who he is. And when you combine all of that with a community of people, you're going to encounter something you never encountered. And I just remember thinking about, and I brought that back, I've talked about it since then, like, you know, the word says that if, 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 if you won't praise him, then the rocks will cry out. He actually used that exact expression because, and he, he said his grandma would say, I'm not going to let no rock praise for me. That's what his grandma would say. Um, but he talked about being, the, about different levels of praise. He talked about a lot of really, really cool stuff. So, and it's easy to praise things that have already been done, like we're talking about. He, con- he kind of he compounded on the guy talking about getting raised up out of the chair. It's easy to praise things that have already been done. It's easy for me to get up here and talk about me and Serena's story and praise his name for saving Serena's life, for saving Isaac's life. And then I bring Isaac, I could bring Isaac up here and I could tell the story and I could bring a tear to every single person's eyes because of what God did on my behalf for my child. I'm gonna get emotional thinking about it. It's easy to praise things for what he's done. But praise, hear this, write this one down. Praise gives us faith for what he's about to do. For what he's about to do, not what he's done. We don't worship for what he's gonna, and then and that. So that's your praise. So if 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 you understand that, you cry out for who he is, and that's why that's why I'm, that's why it's called praise and worship. It's not called worship and praise. I wonder why? Is it because the W is before P in the alphabet, and alphabetically it just sounds better? No, it's because praise comes before worship. Praise gives us faith to do the things that we're gonna that he's gonna do, and then we worship who he is. In worship, we don't worship for what he's done or even what he's going to do. We simply worship him for who he is. Today, I'm going to give you all an opportunity to respond to the presence of God. There's a reason why we haven't done worship yet. Um, one of the things that that I, that I realized at the end of the at the end of camp, as I'm driving home, um, I was talking on the truck, and I was like, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do today because I, I don't know if y'all know this, but I do not like to talk unless I'm prepared. I really have a pet peeve about rambling, and I, I just I have a tendency to do it. If you haven't noticed. I don't like it about myself. So I like to stay real focused and have really detailed notes and really go through everything. But God told me not to do that today because he had something new. Um, and so I'm getting ready and I'm thinking about, like, all right, what is it? What is it? And I'm thinking about the session. I'm thinking about the order of how everything works. So every time they have these, these, these crazy praise sessions and they go into a little bit of worship and then they give the word, they give some manna and they give it to them. Every single session, what do they do? Do they do, they do what we do in service here? No. They get you built up with the word and then they push you into worship and then they close. Normally what we do is we get worship and sometimes it goes through the whole thing and you leave and everybody feels real good because we had a crazy worship session. 
sometimes, if I'm preaching, in normal session, you know, you get really good worship, and then you get a little mediocre preaching, and then you're like, man, and you go back out in the world, right? You heard Joel make, make really funny jokes. So today, we're not going to do that. We're not going to leave you on a, man. And I didn't want to keep y'all until about four o'clock today, so I didn't allow, you know, everybody to do the thing, because I think it's more important now to give y'all the opportunity to respond. So go ahead and bad. Y'all can come on, come on, go ahead and come on and get up. The, the reason that worship is, 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 is set towards the back in these experiences, what I feel like, is because they understand that the last thing you really need to encounter before you go into this world that's going to define who y'all are is an encounter with God. Do not allow... You know, y'all had an excuse before, right? Y'all didn't go to camp. And I actually said that. I said, I said, if I could just get every single person, if I could just get every one of us to just come to a camp encounter, I promise you'll be different. This year we had a very unfortunate event with Terry. Uh, Terry got called into work and he wasn't able to make it. Broke my heart. Terry loves some kids. Some kids love Terry. Don't know why. But they respond to him. They love him. And, and I was heartbroken. I really was. Um, he was upset. I was upset. But I, had that, but I remember that conversation that I had in my, you know, talking about, like, if I could just get somebody here. And so God put Luke on my heart. Luke got baptized last Sunday. And I was like, you know what? We got a leader spot already there. He's probably not going to be able to. It's Thursday night at like 8 o'clock. And we got to leave tomorrow morning at one. He don't know any of our youth's names. He's not going to say yes. What did he do? He said, I'll do it. He said, I got to talk to my wife to make sure, but it's a yes. Call me back and he said, I'll be there. Sometimes all it takes is just saying yes. So today you're going to get an opportunity to say Yes. One thing I've understood about worship, um, I was in the worship session um, on our second session, and we're sitting. I'm on the I'm on the right side, and I know y'all don't know where I'm at, but I'm on the right side, and we they, we go into the alabaster box session. He says, "You pour it all out. You break that box. You get to a place that you've never gotten to." And I'm like, "Ooh, I'm about to do it!" And I step out in the altar, in the little hallway. And I look over, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get it. And I see Jaden on the ground, and she's just pouring it out. And I look right to her, and I see Mikey. He's pouring it out. And I had a vision of camp. Jaden was in the exact same spot that she got delivered the year before. I was standing in the exact same spot that Ava got slain. Mikey was in the same spot that he was last time. And I had a vision and I saw Zoe, I saw Joseph, I saw Jacob, I saw Alex, and I seen them. And I'm like, oh God, I'm going to go into the same thing I had last time. And he says, no, you're not. He said, because if you want the same thing every single time, that's all you're going to get. But if you want something new, you got to do something new. And it doesn't look the same every time. And I looked around and my youth aren't doing the same thing. 
They're not doing the same things. They don't care where they're at. Jaden didn't care that she was at the same spot she was last time. They understand that you don't read a room. You give it all up. And worship does not look the same for every single person. So I'm not going to ask you to do something special. I'm not going to ask you to do anything outside that, uh, of, of what I, I'm not going to ask you to be like Joel because I know Joel's weird. I, do, I, I am so weird, guys. I get it. I try my best to do something for God when I'm worshiping, and I don't care who's watching. So whatever that looks like to you, I don't care what it is, but you pour it out and watch what he does.